0: We are SC Podcast, Sunday Morning Cornerback Edition, Gary Patchless and Daryl Rideau. Uh, Daryl, we're going to break down the, uh, the Trojans 38-10 to victory over Oregon State. And, uh, what was thinking about it and saying that game was a really good capsule of what the USC Trojans have been this season. There, there, there was some good offense. You jumped on top of them early. That's certainly something that, uh, that USC has done, that 14-0 start, uh, was as good as you could hope, but then the offense kind of stalled a little bit, which has also happened uh, a bit this year. The defense kept you in the football game, holding Oregon State to ten points, um, right. three through the first three quarters, so it just seemed like uh, that's what the Trojans are right now. What are your thoughts coming out of the game? You, you know,
1: and, and it's one that, that leaves a lot of USC fans feeling as though they're unsettled, <laughs> and simply mm-hmm. because at this At this point in juncture of the season, with high hopes and expectations, simply because you have someone of the skill set of a Sam Darnold at the helm at the quarterback position, we usually as fans attribute the flow and success of, of an offense at the experience of that quarterback. But the reality is, Gary, when you look at how this season has shaped and come to form with so many teams that were very physical in nature, returning a lot of starters on both sides of the ball, and USC perhaps rated a lot higher than they should have been, given that they're breaking in so many uh, offensive skill players, we should not be as surprised as we are that the offense is struggling due to the amount of injuries and the chemistry that that this offense is failing to demonstrate on a series-by-series basis. I continue to see a change in the, uh, you know, the, the starters or the rotation of skill players. And mm-hmm. so as a quarterback, if you're a, a guy like Sam Darnold, yeah, you want to trust the system, but can you trust the personnel going to execute the system that you've come to appreciate having the veterans that you had last year and the likes of a of a, a Rodgers and a Juju Smith-Schuster? You don't have that luxury this year. You're relying heavily on... Deontay Burnett um, and a plethora of other guys that are very talented, Gary, but don't quite have that type of experience.
0: Yeah, and what I thought was interesting yesterday is, uh, you know, that there, there's so much talk of balance, and, and really that's the one thing through the year that uh, you know, the Trojans have been a balanced offense, but yesterday, as things were struggling, we got headed into the fourth quarter, and there was, you know, thirty-one passes and twenty rushes, and it seemed like the run game seemed like Ronald Jones was doing fine yesterday. Um, one of those games that you're kind of saying, hey, we wouldn't mind seeing more of Rojo right now, because right. he was breaking off big chunks, as was Vave and SedWare. So. That was something interesting yesterday to watch, but to that offensive line, Daryl. honestly, I look down there and you're starting two true fresh, well, Clayton Johnston, Austin Jackson, and uh, Andrew Voorhees in that mix. I thought the offensive line had a pretty solid day. You know, I, I did too, but this
1: is, again, this is an offense that wants to come out and sustain the type of success that they started the game with Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. off of an opportunistic defense, you know, having a long, sustaining drive to to start the game. But when things come off the hinges and, you know, the interceptions and the the turnovers start to mound up, I believe that this offense has demonstrated that it could get or become impatient and get away from some of the tendencies and kind of go off script and that's where the improvisation comes in, and that's when we're seeing this offense not as efficient as it is when it's executing its scripted plays. It's when it goes off the script that I think that's where the lack of experience and the lack of consistency from this offense is really rearing its ugly head.
0: Yeah, because if you look by the end of the day, Darrell, the, the the numbers weren't that bad. You know, Sam was thrown for 300 yards with three touchdowns, including some downfield passes. Um, by the end of the day, the running numbers were pretty good. Matt Fink's Matt 51-yard run uh, helped. Right. But, like you say, the, the sum of everything, it just still feels yeah. a little bit disjointed. So I think that's one of the things that kind of surprising Trojan fans today, or at least feeling a, yeah. little, a little empty, is, hey, that was Oregon State. And like you say, with a couple of those miscues, if Oregon State had been able to capitalize on some of those, that's a football game in the second half. It's it only because is. they're struggling so much that it wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I thought that Oregon State left some some points on the board. I mean, they have sure. a, a
1: wide-open tight end that they, they failed to convert um, in the end zone. But, you, you know, when I think about this team, and like I said, we talked about it being impatient at times, I think that's the part that rubs funny because it's very hard to look at the stat sheet at the end of the day and say that this team is playing consistent enough no. to play winning football. So nowhere – this team is nowhere near that. Right now it's relying heavily upon its best players to make great plays as opposed to the system um, getting guys open and efficiently and methodically moving down the field. So I, I think that while as fans we may be frustrated, I think that this team has demonstrated a level of poise and patience in allowing some of these younger players to come to form, that I think they will benefit from from the second half of the season. Right now, it's stomach-turning watching what we're seeing.
0: Right. Um, let's talk about some of those younger guys that we saw yesterday, particularly on offense. Uh, for, for you know, T- Tyler Bonds is coming along. You can't really call him a brand new player right now, but I think you're seeing in the last two or three games what this young man can be as part of this offense. And I think you're getting to the point where you, you know you you can you know Deontay's your number one, but I don't think there's any question that you have your number two right now. And uh, hopefully Daniel Imatarbebe comes back soon. But but that was wonderful to see. And then uh, getting Matt Fink with his with he that was a wow factor moment with what he did. And then I want to mention one more young man, and that was Josh Follow. Because you and I have talked before, I think this guy is going to be such a unique pass catcher in this offense eventually, the way that he can get downfield. And he was obviously wide open on that play. But, boy, you saw him get down that sideline pretty quick. He's going to be a big one. Uh, Those were three guys who really stood out. And and I'm glad you you highlighted all of them because they're
1: all special in their own right. So when you talk about Follow and his body size, he gives that – that mismatch that you're looking for, versatility from the tight end position that could also be flexed out as a big-time, big size receiver that this offense is ever so missing. But going back to Bond, what I appreciate most about what I'm seeing from him, Gary, is that the confidence that he's exuding in practice and the connection that he's having with Darnold is starting to transition and transfer onto the field. That tells me that there's trust in the consistency by the way he practices. It's transitioning and relating onto the field. That is – I can't tell you what that means to a quarterback and a receiver, to develop that type of chemistry at a time when we need someone desperately to counter the, the, the play of Well
0: And you made the point at practice the other day on Wednesday – you know, it, it was you said it's almost like Sam was challenging Tyler, you know, okay, you, you ready for this role? I'm going to be going at you all day today and let's see how you step up and Tyler certainly responded that day in practice as he as he often has, like you said. Absolutely. And and like
1: I said, you know, and sometimes when you talk to Darnold, he he can be very candid about his thoughts and it's refreshing to understand the the mentality and the psychology that goes into uh, someone of his talent playing the quarterback position. But I did think that he was testing, um Vaughn and I thought Vaughn right. responded beautifully because now Darnold knows that, um, he, he knows that there are very little boundaries that Vaughn will not attempt to reach in order to make a play. And when you have something like that, you don't have to be perfect as a quarterback. you just got to put it within his vicinity and allow him to be the playmaker that he is.
0: Okay, well, I want to talk about something interesting yesterday. Um, we saw a lot of younger receivers get some get some catches, including burning uh, the redshirt year for Randall Grimes, which surprised me because um, there are a lot of receivers right now, so I, I didn't expect to see that one. Um, but you had Trayvon Sidney, you had Michael Pittman, you had Josh Bebe, you had Grimes, and we're not even mentioning Joseph Lewis. He didn't get a catch yesterday. Anybody that you see in that group that you think could kind of emerge here toward uh, the second half of the season?
1: Well, you know, I had high hopes for guys like Pittman, but Pittman, due to the, his injury and the lack of chemistry, I'm not going to say confidence, but I, I do think it's a confidence thing. I think a guy like Grimes... The opportunity is prime for him to step up, recognizing what Vaughn is doing as a young receiver. Why not him? Why not me? Right. That would be the mentality that I would take. So again, with with the offense appearing to uh, script down, to simply just going back to simplistic style of play, this allows for a guy like Grimes to come in and just be an effective player, and burning his redshirt season. I think if you're a guy like Ryan who came in to compete for playing time, you welcome that challenge to get on the field and demonstrate that you can be trustworthy. So, you know, it's funny because out of all of the guys I go back to follow, I think he's going to have the potential of giving the greatest impact opposite of the peak until a guy like Imtorebebe Daniel becomes healthy enough to give the type of contribution that we've seen. And even if he is healthy, I'm not certain that. Right off the bat, we're going to see the same type of production that we saw at the end of last season, uh, when he ripped the shredded Washington apart.
0: Right, right. And with follow, it's just, uh, I, I just remember him at the opening a year and a half ago when he was going into his senior year. It was one of the most impressive performances you will see from a tight end. Just the the, the way he moves, his long arms, his patch catching ability. Uh, this is not a surprise, uh, for those who saw him there. I want to ask a couple guys, um, Vave Malapiai and Aka Cedric Weir. I thought Vavai, Daryl, when when he squares up his shoulders and plants that foot in the ground and moves forward, that's a big boy moving forward. And I thought Akin Cedric Weir, his pass catch on the 37-yarder from Darnold, where he had to twist around, that was impressive. You know, Daryl, I'm glad you mentioned that because I
1: thought it was exceptional. A guy that doesn't necessarily get the rep that one would, uh, would want in life, but when his number was called... Boy, did he show up. And the way that he made that adjustment to the ball, I thought was great. But when you talk about Bavai, okay, and I got a gripe with the offense uh, the offense right now because I don't think that they're effectively utilizing his skill set. On um, obvious, you know, short-distance rundowns, with his big frame, this kid should be going north and south. I don't want to see him going lateral, east and west. Get this kid going downhill with momentum and watch the power and force that he puts behind. You talk about wanting a power running game, look no further than Vavai. So put him in positions where he can continuously be successful, which I
0: think will take pressure off of guys like Rojo and when Stephen Carr returns. I I, I think Vavai, and I've made this comparison times before, he reminds me so much of a guy you played with in Maliafo, probably a little bigger at this point than Maliafo was. but. that, that that same kind of versatility and hard running style. So I, I agree with you. I would uh I would like to see a little bit more of Ave in that north south role. Let's uh let's flip it over to defense right now. I, I thought the defense, like you say, not not a very good Oregon State offense, but 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 the defense is what just kept kept them in check all game long. Some really good play when the offense like and special teams too put the defense in a bad position on a short field.
1: And try? and really held them
0: to three points for three quarters. So um, give us your thoughts on what the defense did yesterday. You, you know, it's amazing because I go back to years past when, when the offense struggled, the defense
1: didn't know how to react. But I think that this defense led by uh, defense coordinator Clancy Pendergast and the the plethora of veteran leadership that, that exudes from this team, they are an independent unit that is prepared for any situation, almost like a Navy SEAL. <laughs> Regardless of the circumstances, they're prepared. And I love that about their mentality. Workman-like, beyond workman-like, they come in and they're prepared to get in the trenches and go to battle. Um, What I'd love to see more of is complementary football. When the defense is playing well like that and getting the ball back, the offense ignites and, and, and builds off of them versus the defense feeding off the offense. You know, but make no mistake about it. I, you know, I thought that the tackle for bosses were just as impactful as any sack that could have been. And and, in the play, you know, guys like Jack Jones, who are really starting to mature and coming to his own. And by and large, I think that that was his most complete game. You know, you're never going to replace the production of a guy like Adoree Jackson. However, you can certainly give your best impression of yourself, and Jack Jones is certainly starting to round in shape, which should start taking pressure off of the defense and allowing them to call more
0: aggressive defenses to create greater pressure
1: earlier in the game.
0: I, I obviously loved his pick. That was a very acrobatic play. But but my favorite play of the other day from Jackie, that, that he had a pass breakup where he came up and, and just physically bodied the guy and caused yeah. the incompletion. Go Jack.
1: I, I love that play. Yeah, he brought his big shoulder pass to the party. I love that too, Gary. But, you know, um, there are just so many guys that um, that are unsung heroes for me. And uh, the kid Houston, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I love this kid's game. I'm surprised he's not wearing the 5'5", because I think from a football standpoint, like Cam, New- uh, like Cam Smith, He appears to have a football IQ, and he's reading plays as they're developing, which tells me that his skill study and his understanding of of offenses and how they're trying to um, game plan against the defensive coverages is exceptional. He's a savant. I love this kid, and I think that there are great things ahead
0: for him. I want to go down to the defensive line really quick, uh, cause I, I just thought this was a good game for the defensive line, kind of doing some mixing and matching. They're, they're in flux right now. They're, are a bunch of injured guys, but, uh, here, here's what I'm taking away from yesterday. <laughs> any Rasheen Green is good Rasheen Green. That oh, yeah. we can have out there on the football field. Any, um, any day of the week. Uh, Christian Rector, uh, was hope, was always hoping he would get some more playing time. Didn't expect this. Gary, this kid—talk about the Wally Pipp
1: scenario where someone comes in and just makes the most of this situation, um, uh-huh. being Wally Pipp. This kid is phenomenal. The play that we're seeing out of him in the production, and a lot of people don't realize that he started off in, as an interior, you know, a defense, defensive player, and having to go outside, put your your, your hand in the ground, and create havoc. The versatility that we're seeing from him cannot be understated. And and when we get a full bill of health back with this defense, that type of depth and rotation is going to prove great dividends. But right now we are leaning on those broad shoulders of
0: his because he constantly game in and game out is creating habit. And then I want to mention one one guy in the middle and that was Brandon Peely, uh Mount Peely. <laughs> That young man is going to be a football player. Uh, that You just pant him in the middle of that line, Daryl. 340 pounds right there. I, I, I thought he handled himself uh, physically well. I thought he handled himself movement well. It didn't seem like he was getting blown off the ball. Very nice debut in the middle of the season for Mr. Peely stepping up for us in the middle. Yeah, yeah, Gary. He He's like one of those roadblocks that come out of the ground, those barricades,
1: because right. when you put him in, very, very difficult to move that body of math and real estate. And, and again, you know, seeing him out there, you know, in rotation on a very hot day and getting that type of production, I I think, like I said, you know, the ceiling is very high for him. And there's going to come a game, you know, right around the corner. You know, USC is going up – Um, will be going up against – some high caliber teams that want to try to pound the interior part of the defensive line and having a stop plug like that will definitely give this defense the necessary depth that they, that they've been desperately needing.
0: Okay. I want to talk some special teams really quick. Uh, the, the, the good, uh, the block kick by, by two guys, Jackie Jones and Kenny Bigelow, both getting their hands on the ball. Thought that was great. Jackie's blocking kicks, you know, almost, it seems like every other day in practice. So not a surprise by him. But boy, seeing the smile on Kenny Bigelow's face after, after the game when he was talking about it, for him to get that big paw up there, uh, g- good for you guys right there. But I want to talk about the punt return role right now. There's been a lot of speculation on the message boards, you know, about Ajayne a. Harris. And obviously the reason that he was put in there, uh, to me more than anything, is the trust factor that the coach has had in him. Uh, Jane is a very smart football player. He's usually going to do the right thing. Um, there was a muff punt yesterday that put the things in the back position. Uh, earlier in the year, there was some catches inside the tent. So just kind of – and there hasn't been really been anything positive in terms of big returns from him so far. Do you start to look at Jackie now that Jackie is starting to earn the trust of the coaches more with his defensive play – Do you maybe look at his potential at punt return, or do you say let's stick with him and what he's gaining right now at corner and stick with DeJaney at the punt return role?
1: I don't know if you stick with DeJaney at the punt return because uh, punt return more than anything else is ball security first, and then any positive yards you get is a bonus because Mm -hmm. you never want to take a possession away from an offense. But Jack Jones is a a home run hitter. He's like the Aaron Judge of, of, of USC. He's hit and miss. He can, he can strike out on you, but when he when he shows up, you know, he can hit home runs and grand slams if he is a returner. You're looking for more consistency right now. You're not looking for someone to try to score on every punt return because every punt return is not designed for that. So what I'd like to see, though, is I'd like to see them open up the competition again and just identify a shorthanded person, who uh, a player back there that, that could give – the defense and – well, the offense, the confidence that they're going to possess the ball first and foremost. Um, what I saw yesterday with the JNA was he made a fundamental mistake, and, and it happens when you take – you know, when you're trying to make the big play. He backpedaled. They always tell you, you, you anchor your heels in the ground. You never go backwards. You only go forward, okay? And so that was mm-hmm. the first thing that I noticed. But These are attention to details that are coachable moments, and Baxter will have that group ready, primed to go – um, again, I would just like to see competition open because there's a lot of great talent out there um, on this team, and I'm not certain that everyone is getting the greatest opportunity to display their skill set um, on the field at the offensive position. So why not give them an opportunity to return the field punch?
0: Right. And I want to make it clear on a J&A, I, I think the world of a J&A Harris as a football player, it just seemed like this is one thing that he that is not uh, particularly working right now uh in, in a big way I think you could throw a JNA back at receiver he'd be fine I think if you run into run a wildcat quarterback right now a JNA would be fine I right. think he's terrific um but I think your thought on maybe competition may not be a bad thing okay let's finish off this podcast talking about uh something that you and I were ta- discussing yesterday after the game and that is what this team has gone through so far uh in, in terms of the battle tested if you will and a big part of it is because they still have not played a complete game you would call Stanford the most complete game so far. But you're going into a stretch, particularly in these next two games, Utah losing last night, they're going to come down here ready to go, and then obviously the Irish, Um, in terms of stealing your resolve and moving toward playing those games that are going to need to take to get to that Pac-12 title game uh, and and win that, how are you seeing that development so far, and what, what would be some of the big things you want to see to get that kind of game to happen?
1: You know, it's interesting because a lot of times people think when the offense struggles that the team in whole is struggling, but that's not the case. I I go back to just playing sound, fundamental football. Mm -hmm. When when we talk about having an identity and a philosophy, you know, commit to the philosophy, right, wrong, or indifferent. Commit to the philosophy and allow your players to believe in the sequence of calls that are being given, okay? Okay. So what I would like to see is if you're going to assert yourself as a power running team, then where are the two tight end sets that would give you that additional power formations? I understand that there's some health and some, some depth challenges at the position, but there are other ways that you can integrate that by adding a fullback into the fold. So what I would love to see from this group is a commitment to the type of play that we saw at the beginning of the year when they played a team like Stanford and they were able to dominate and control the line of scrimmage. Now, when you're breaking in new players, especially on the offensive line, Gary, they would be the first to tell you, don't put me on skates in a pass formation. Give me a chance to be the aggressor to be the hammer, not the nail, and, and, and drive my shoulder pads into the defensive lineman to gain my confidence, then put me in a, in, a, in a retreat position, because that's all it is. When, when you're um, blocking for a quarterback, you're in a retreat position, and, and you're just playing patty cake with the guy in front of you. These big nasties up front want to put their hands on and wear down the defensive uh, lineman. So that's first and foremost. But getting away from who they are as a team, I don't because of the lack of depth and consistency at the receiver position would be a recipe for disaster. Would cause this team to lose its uh, sight of who they are becoming. I think that you also have consideration that many of the teams that they played prior to now they didn't know a lot about. There was a lot of changes, um, you know, and and when you're game planning against schemes and teams that you are less familiar with, you have to react to what you're getting. But now this part of the season, and this is why I say we're going to see the better part of USC, they know what they're getting against Utah. They know what they're getting against Notre Dame, so forth and so on. There's consistency at the head coaching position and and coordinator position moving forward. So look to see a, a better version of USC relying heavily on that, that grit that they had to trust upon to squeak out and win games up until now.
0: And, and also, let's not forget, if, if it can work out in the next couple of weeks where you're getting back Chuma Adoga, Daniel Imator Imatorbebe, Stephen Carr, all those things would help too, without a doubt. So that's it for uh, the Sunday Morning Cornerback Podcast. For Daryl Verdot, this is Gary Pasquitz. You're listening to WRSC.